Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast. My name is Jim Martin. I'm your co-host, joined by Jeff and Brad today, and we're excited to be with you. You know, we've got um, we've got a lot of a lot of topics to go over. I want to I want to remind everyone to check out the show notes. Uh, in our show notes, it'll have a link to our website into our private Facebook group if you want to join the community and connect with some other amazing advisors. Remember, Iron sharpens iron and being there you're going to find all kinds of great content and other advisors to share ideas and tactics and and tips to get better but today we were we were talking before the show about delegation and delegations this this funny thing out there and running an efficient practice that advisors really really struggle with and struggle for a lot of reasons because the fact is all of us think we do it the the best way possible. In fact, I, I think if you put three advisors in a room, you probably could not fit their egos inside of it because uh, we all have such big heads uh, because we all think we do it much, much better. So we're going to talk about what does delegation cost you and what are some great ways to potentially delegate some tasks out there so you can run a more efficient practice. So let's just go ahead and jump right in. We're going to, we're going to kind of kick it over to, to Jeff uh, to start with. And Jeff, I want to, um, I think I'm going to start with the question of, you know, in your practice, do you delegate or do you find it really hard to delegate? How, how, do you, is this a struggle or is this really easy for you? I think I'm not sure of how to answer that question because I've systematized so many things. I think I've lost track of what other people are already doing for for me or for us. And so, yes, it's always a struggle for me, but I honestly think maybe it's just because I'm always looking for the next thing to make better and more efficient. So um, I, honestly, from what I hear when I talk about what we do compared to what many of the advisors that I've been coaching do, um, uh, our level of delegation and systemization is quite high as that goes. So yeah, I, I think uh, relatively speaking, we've done a pretty good job of that. And it was this kind of a, was this an evolution where it just happened over time or have you always just kind of been, is this kind of who you are in general? I think it's who I am. It's how I'm wired back to the, my days in school. I was always running myself on a self-imposed schedule and prior careers was always very highly structured and and so on. So I think it's how I'm wired. But then it's how do you apply that to our industry? Sure. There's how you're wired, but then how do you practically apply it? Yeah, and, it makes sense. And I would just say too, you know, the idea of being efficient is a challenge because a lot of the people that we're coaching um, can get more efficient, but they're stuck on a plateau. So you can get more efficient to spend less time and and do the same level of production. Or is the real question? How do I improve my delegation and systemization so that I can grow to the next level? Yeah, it makes complete sense. How about you, Brad? What what is, is this something that comes naturally to you? Do you do a lot of delegation in your your practice? Or are you are you in there like writing letters and thank you notes and uh, processing uh, 
trade requests and service requests all day? Oh, yeah. I mean, at least 80% of my time is spent doing letters for sure, because that's the key <laughs> to success in this business. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, but it has been an evolution. I can't say that um, that I came into the business uh, like Jeff did, being highly structured and, and systematized. Um, I kind of came from a background, though, where like my dad was a contractor and uh, he's just one of those guys that was always like, you know, I kind of mock the people that pay someone to mow their grass, you know, that, that was kind of my upbringing. And then, you know, as I grew in this business, did a lot of reading, a lot of Bill Good has a lot of uh, a lot of good insight on this topic. And it just over the years, I came to the realization that I don't know what our hourly value is when we're doing licensed financial advisor activities, but it's a big number. Um, so what I've been working toward for years now is <clears throat> offloading, delegating tasks that do not require uh, securities license to people that don't have them. Um, and it's basically the same concept as you know when I go to the dentist, the dentist doesn't clean my teeth. You know, the hygienist spends a half hour with me and the dentist spends five minutes doing things that only the dentist can do. So as I've thought about about evolving my practice over the past, I don't know, six, eight years, I've, I've kind of looked at it like that and, and looking at each process or system or task and saying, do I have to be the one to do this? You know, so if I'm sitting there developing a financial plan for a client, um, that needs to be me. Right. Or if a client calls and needs, you know, insight on, you know, thinking about refinancing or something, that needs to be me. Uh, but when uh, it comes time to do a stack of paperwork, whether it's to prep it or have the client sign it or whatever the case may be, that doesn't need to be me. Right. Even routine touch base calls, you know, around tax time to, you know, just touch base and make sure clients have everything they need for, for tax time. That doesn't need to be me. That can be, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the going rate is these days because of the labor market, but you know, if it's a $20 an hour task, a $20 an hour person should be doing it. And I know that our time is much more valuable than $20 an hour. And I think that's the point is making sure, you know, if our time's worth, I, I don't know, 500, a thousand, multiple thousands of dollars per hour when you're in front of clients, um, we should spend our time doing that. So I've moved towards that type of model. Yeah, Brad. I want to come back to that in a second, but Jim, you've been asking all the questions. But where where do you come from on this in terms of your delegation? I'm um I'm kind of in the middle of you two. So um, it, structure and organization doesn't come naturally to me. Although um, I've been a manager for a long time before I joined I joined uh, the financial services field. So I realized the value in delegation pretty quickly. I mean, you, you, Brad, I think said it really well. You don't want to spend your time doing twenty dollar an hour task when you're, you know, $500 an hour person. So for me, it's, um, it's been, it's kind of, it's, it's in the middle. And I think, I think where I've struggled with it in the past is, um, making sure I have a staff that's competent enough to handle what I want to give them, because, you know, these are, these are relationships that are hard fought and they're very valuable and you don't want to, you don't want to, um, delegate something to somebody who might screw it up, especially, especially big dollar items. I mean, you know, somebody messes up, uh, somebody messes up depositing a check. Just think about this. You have a, you have a, a new associate and they send, they send a rollover check to a Roth and, uh, you trade that. I mean, that's a nightmare scenario in a lot of ways. And that's a mistake that can happen. And you, you've got to be really careful. So you've got to make sure that you can delegate, 
uh, to your staff and you have a competent staff. So that's sort of, that's been my, my, uh, it, it's a struggle, uh, for me, but look, it's the only way you can scale. Like you're not going to add to your business and grow to Jeff's point and get larger unless you can get rid of the the service request work and the answering to the phones. And, and that's another thing. Let's talk about like, let's start with like a really basic thing. Do you guys answer your phones in your offices or do you think advisors should answer the phone when, when, when a client calls in, what do you guys think? Absolutely not. Absolutely no. not. Right? No. no. No, that that's like, look, guys, there are so many guys, there are so many advisors out there that are answering their own phone. When a client calls in it, you're, you're trying to create a, even if you're not like hyper successful yet, you've got to create, you've got to create the appearance that you are the mirage, if you will. So you've got to do that. You've, you, you just really have to have somebody answer it. So let's, let's kind of pivot to like, Jeff, like, let, let's talk about when you do delegate it, it, and you're giving it to your, your, uh, Let's imagine you're delegating something for the first time. You're giving it to your staff. How, how do you how do you talk to clients about that? Because they might have come to you for this, and now they're going to go to John or Susie for it. How do you how do you prepare and get people ready for that transition? Um, there's really important language around this, I think, and it's up to the the person in this case, me delivering the message to get this right. And so there are two ways you can say something. You're going to say. I'm going to have this person do that thing. And what does that mean? That means I'm the boss man and she's the worker bee. And I I hate when you run run your own people down inherently by doing it that way. And so I work really hard to say uh, the person responsible for that or that handles that for us will be back in touch with you. And so it's it's illustrating that he or she is that is their area of responsibility, and I I always stress to be sure that it gets done right. That's her area of responsibility. So it's how does this benefit the client, and are you reinforcing to them that it's actually the best person mm-hmm. to do the job for them? And then how does it actually happen? There, in my opinion, should not be delegation before you've talked to the person you're going to be delegating to about what that's going to be and what it's going to look like. And the good news is our business is highly repeatable. If you really are objective and look at what we do, it doesn't mean it's not meaningful, but it's repetitive. So you should be able to build a repetitive process that's based around that. So that's a, that's how I answer that question. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, Brad, Brad, how about for you? And I, I know you're, you're going through a little bit of this right now. You've got a, you've got a, a new advisor that's joined you and probably handling yeah handling some of your appointments you're delegating some of those relationships over how how are you handling those kind of conversations you know so we we just started doing this with new clients as part of the onboarding process is almost giving them a menu um as a as a deliverable to kind of introduce the team and have contact information you know information for everyone on the team and kind of gently pointing out and steering them towards, you know, I'm on there, my junior's on there, our support staff is on there with titles and whatnot and a few bullet points. And, and I'm, what I'm hoping is that that just kind of takes hold as a just a gentle way to say, you know, hey, if you're calling for, if you need to change your beneficiaries, here's assistant number one's phone number. <laughs> call yeah. her. You know, I don't need a phone call at 615 at night on my cell phone. Jeff, <laughs> you know, and just trying to give them because a lot of times I'm finding that they just don't know. 
you know, a lot, a lot of times, especially if you've been doing it all yourself, um, they only know you as the point of contact. Even if you've had people behind the scenes doing things, they don't know that. Yeah. So I just think trying to be aware of what, you know, from their perspective, what giving them the tools to know who to contact. Uh, I've been doing that a lot in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, um, you and uh, you and you and Greg had a uh, a conversation on a, a show a couple a couple back. I wish I knew the the number off the top, but I'll put it in the show notes. But you guys talked about statement shock, and one of the one of the one of the points you made was around um, preparing people for markets going up or down, and how do you prepare them on the front end? And you told a silly story about a brick. Which, if you know, about everybody in the business has heard the brick story again. If yeah. one out of every four years the market's going to go down, you're going to want to throw a brick through the window. But when you do, you know, put a check and put a rubber band around it and make sure it's attached when you throw it in, so we can put it in your account. Okay, so that's the that's the the gist of the story. But you know, it made me think about like after that episode of really taking a look at my onboarding checklist because I didn't have that included. Like I used to have that conversation a lot. But now I have so many people involved in my process. Like for me, I feel like my job is really simple. I'm the CEO of my company. So I'm the manager. I'm a manager and I'm an advisor. You know, like we've got like three roles. We have to lead, we have to run the company, and we have to we have to market or create revenue. And um, I have so many more people in there. So I think that's what we do in our onboarding is we introduce the other players. We refer we use very specific language. I liked what Jeff said around. Um, I don't want to run down people and make them think they work. They say they work for me, even if you are writing the check. They know this inherently, but it sort of takes away from their credibility when you you're forcing them to do something. So I we we refer to them as our all star team. We have an all star team, handpicked people that are our, our top of the line professionals here to help you. And quite frankly, Mister and Mrs. Whoever they are better at what you're requesting than I am. If you call me up and ask for money, I will screw it up. I almost promise you. But if you call Casey or Whitney or Amanda on my team, they're going to handle this so precisely and so quickly. They're going to follow up with you. They're going to do all the stuff that's needed to ensure this is done. So I think you really have to talk up your staff in a big way and use whatever language you want to use. I have an elite staff or I have great, a great staff. I call my all-star team because people resonate with all-stars. And I really believe it. Like I, I think this is the other thing. If you don't feel confident, to delegate to your staff, you've hired, hired the wrong people. You either need to train them up or get them out. That's really, really simple. Yeah. And I think it. I think this is this is kind of an interesting segue. What happens when they screw up, guys? You're going to delegate something to somebody, and I, they're going to screw it up. Like nobody has a hundred percent success rate at something all the time. Everybody yeah. has an error rate. If you go long enough, you're going to have an error. So how do you? Uh, how do you handle that? Let's go over to Brad. Uh, Brad, how do you handle that with your team? Somebody, uh, an assistant, your advisor screws up. How are you handling that? So so two different points there. One, how I handle it with the client um, is always that the, you know, I, I own it. I own it and I make it right. But ultimately, I, I make sure I think this is key, uh, especially when you have a team. It stops with you, it, right? That ultimately, the clients are here for me. Um, so never being like, um, you know, so I'll give you an example. I was at a car at a car dealer. I had to take into the dealer a couple months ago for work and, uh, they screwed it up and a couple minutes later, still broken. And the service manager tells me whoever Danny or whoever the guy was that worked on, he's like, Oh, he, he no longer works here. 
And in my mind, I'm like, I don't care. I didn't come here for Danny. I came here for Toyota, which is on the sign, right? So fix it. So always make sure to never be like, oh man, you know, Dave screwed that up. It always is me. It always ends with me. So take responsibility and make it right, right? So that's how I handle it with the client. And uh, it's always been something I can make right. And hopefully it stays that way. With the, you know, with, with members of your team, then I think that's a little tougher because I think it depends on, like you said, Jim, everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect. And honest mistake here and there, you know, it just happens. And I communicate that to, to them, you know, no big deal. It happens. I understand why. Off you go. Um, I, I think that if it's a recurring problem um, because they're distracted at work or not taking their job seriously or whatever the case may be, then I think it's time to sit down and have a serious discussion with them. And then, yeah, you, know, you could get any variety of solutions there. It may be them saying, you know, I uh, this this software was updated, and I, you know, I'm I'm not real comfortable using it, and that'll tell you, you know, your corrective action needs to be get them some training on that software, bring them up to date, or you may just find out that you made a bad hire. You you may just found someone that who just needed a job and needed to pay their rent, and they just don't take it that seriously. So I think that there's a variety of outcomes that could come um, from the team. Yeah. 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 I think that makes a lot of sense. Jeff, how, how do you handle it in your practice? I, uh, so the one thing is to what Brad was saying, I don't want people in fear of making mistakes and getting caught. And so I'd certainly have a culture very consistent with what Brad was saying that if there are mistakes, we will deal with them. We will own them. Number one to the client as needed. Um, and I will own them but also we will deal with them and accept that they're going to happen. But again, one of the values in doing most everything in writing as we do internally. So everything we can track, what was the communication here? And is, is that what the issue was? And do we need to fix communication or, or education training um, or process? And so find a solution. What can we learn from the mistake? And, is there a way we can avoid it happening? And again, always thinking, as I think we've spoken about um, uh, in the past, how can we fix this in the hypothetical event somebody else is doing this position in the future? So is there a process we need to revisit that we have written down that is not accurate for whatever reason? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think you guys are spot on. I mean, you, you, you've got to own it with a client immediately, make it right, whatever it is. Uh, and then ultimately, um, once you figure that out, you, you've got to educate, motivate uh, your team and coach them up. And, you know, the the old adage is, you know, be slow to hire and quick to fire. Sometimes you don't have the right person in the seat. And once you figure that out, you can't let them linger on forever and ever uh, with the goal that they're going to get better. Because people that are doing a bad job, unless there's an external stimulus that's causing it, uh, it just might be a competency. Sometimes people, this is, this is a tough gig, you know, like we, we talk about this, uh, um, off offline, but you hire an assistant. This is not like working in a dentist's office. It, like they have to have critical thinking skills to work in a financial services business and they have to learn a different language and that takes time and you got to give them, you got to be patient. People, mistakes are going to happen. But you also have to, you know, eventually realize maybe they don't have the capacity to do this the, the way you want it done. And if that's the case, you got to you got to pull the bandaid off. But you know, a lot of the problems 
really come back to you right in the forehead. Your process is broken or your coaching was terrible. So you, that I'd start there first, for sure. Let's talk about, you know, let's talk about a couple more things here on today's show. And, you know, we, we, uh, one of our, one of our, one of our coaching clients that we work with brought this up a couple of weeks ago and he started talking to, you know, I remember you guys, we saw this in the email, but he said, what should I delegate? You know what? Like I I'm doing, I don't know what to delegate. Like what, what are things advisors should, should not be doing? And I, I'm going to start with the first one, the phone, again, the phone call, you should not be making confirmation calls. You should not be, you probably shouldn't even be scheduling your own appointments. You should not be answering the phones. So the phone is the first line I think that's out there. I, I'm sorry, guys, I stole the easiest one, mm-hmm. but um, I, I've given you a minute or two to think, what are some other things? What are some other things advisors can delegate that make sense? Paperwork. Paperwork, paperwork, and paperwork. I mean, here and there, there's something that'll require an explanation for the broker dealer or whatever that you have to do. But I mean, account opening paperwork, beneficiary paperwork, I mean, you name it, that stuff. Uh, we have an intake form where we get all that stuff that we know we're going to need to type 87 times. And that's what we get, you know, as advisors from the client. But then the back end, the reams of paperwork or, or PDF pages, that's got to be prepped and processed by someone else. That's data entry. That's fifteen to twenty-five dollar an hour work. That's not financial advisor work. Sorry, Jeff. The hard ones are all that's left. <laughs> no, but see, I, that's it. And I think exactly what you're saying, though, is why so many of the people we see are plateauing at about year ten. You can delegate phone calls. You can delegate paperwork. And honestly, most everybody kind of knows that, and to varying degrees, gets good at that. The ones that we see that are plateauing at year 10 are trying to figure out then what else can I delegate? So to take it next level, then you have to be really honest with yourself as to what generates revenue. And maybe it's time to make a bigger hire. Um, So that might be how do you position portfolios? Is that really something that you are the best person to do? Or could you be um, farming that out to somebody on your staff or adding the person to your staff to do that? Is it the building financial plans um, that perhaps you're the best person to deliver on that plan, but somebody else could be preparing them um, or execution after the fact, whether that's basic nuts and bolts training or or illustrating out the next 12 months of what activity is going to look like. So I think, again, yeah, the easy ones are phone and paperwork, but then the to get to the higher levels, it's what what are the more complex things? And by the way, that should also apply then to I would even argue management of your staff. Um, The bigger firms that are successful also have somebody on staff to manage staff. So that is one of the biggest, not only expenses for all of us, but can often be one of the most stressful and time-consuming things we do. And maybe that's something that, again, when we're plateauing at year 10 to 15, that's when it's time to add that person to add more high-level delegation to. Yeah, what do they say? Uh, the common phrase and a lot of things I hear it a lot of time in MMA, but there's levels to this, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. go everywhere from your lifestyle guy that's working from home with a handful of clients, making maybe you know a couple bucks, a decent living, and then you've got the guy that has an office space, and maybe his first step in delegation is getting that person to do elementary filing and paperwork and answering the phone and greeting people at the door. And then Jeff, when you started out, it kind of sounds like you know when you get to a certain point, you know the next level. It almost sounds like a paraplanner role, right? 
Yeah. Uh, you need that. And, and as you grow, it's not like you're going to go from, I do everything myself to I delegate everything all at once. There are levels as you and your practice evolve. Well, and and implement those levels uh, successfully. Yeah. I mean, the division of labor should be client service work. Then there's marketing, there's uh, image direction, and then management of all of the above. So you certainly, without getting too heavy um, you, as you grow, or if you want to grow, you need to add people that are strictly responsible for actually fewer and fewer things. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Spe- specialists all the way around. And right. you're going to have to add a pay- players. And the reality is, guys, you know, there's a lot of people out there who um, advisors are cheap. This is one thing I've learned a long way away. Like they, they, we make a ton of money, but then people don't want to reinvest money back in their practices and coaching in themselves. And, you, you know, if you want to scale and get to the level you want to get to, you're going to have to make some of these key hires that Jeff and Brad are talking about. You're going to have to hire an advisor, another advisor at some point, because you're going to want to take a vacation. You're going to want to be able to leave for a little bit or live a little bit better life. You might have to hire that chief operation officer or chief investment officer. And you've got to look for a level talent all the way around guys. Great discussion. As we wrap up here, I want to just kick it around for any final thoughts, any, anything around delegation you want to just, you just want to pound home with the, uh, the listeners at home. Hey, best ROI you're ever going to find is investing in yourself and your practice. Don't be afraid to spend 50 grand. It's going to come back to you tenfold. Yeah. The, the same way we believe that we are of high value to our clients look for ways to invest in high value uh, direction and advice for yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think those are, I think those are all, all well said and Jeff said it really well. You're going to have to find people when we, f- our first hire does everything. Our second hire does half of everything, but our third and fourth are probably going to be doing one specific task and hopefully doing it at a really, really high level. And by doing that, you're going to up your game and move into another stratosphere of being an advisor. And that's that's when we're coaching people, that's what we coach them coach them on is how do you move from this level you're at to the next level and uh, focus on that in your practice really take a look at it and see if you need help look if you're the guy that's starting out take a look at virtual advisors if you're a guy that's stuck at 70 million or lady stuck at 70 million is it time to hire another advisor to free you up to do other things there are a lot of ways to leverage your time and be more efficient with it. And that might mean in the short run, you might make a little more for six months, but these hires to Brad's point, come back tenfold and make you money in the long run. And, and maybe they don't make you tenfold. Maybe they give you tenfold time back, which is uh, I'd argue is, is more important than money in a lot of, in a lot of ways, but guys, we hope you enjoyed the, uh, the, the, um, the show today. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. And look, if you like the show, make sure you leave us a five-star review, check out the show notes um, about our Facebook community. You can re- uh, visit us on the web at thefaedge.com or just go out on Facebook and type uh, the Financial Advisors Edge and you can find our community. We've got an active, great community of listeners there sharing ideas. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.